Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, Our passage this morning has us in Luke chapter 6, so I invite you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse uh, 27. Uh, And as you're finding your way there, you'll remember if you were here last week uh, that we looked at uh, the verses just before this in which uh, which are Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Uh, The word Beatitude means blessing. Uh, So it's a section where Luke says, blessed are those who are poor, hungry, rejected, etc., Uh, And the Gospel of Matthew also has a section of Beatitudes, and while this is similar in many respects, uh, it is also quite different, Uh, and there's a lot of uniqueness to Luke's version of the Beatitudes. And one of the lessons we learned last week is uh, that this important passage um, is that sometimes those who are in positions of power or privilege may not always be thrilled with the new arrangement that comes with the kingdom of God. Uh, That is to say that it's possible that the good news of the kingdom of God could be received as bad bad news if our hearts are bent on self-promotion. And so coming right out of this passage is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which we'll read this morning beginning with verse 27. Uh, So Luke chapter 6 beginning with verse 27 says this, "Uh, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone asks uh, or anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. For do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, What credit is that to you, for even sinners do that? And if you lend to those for whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you, for even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full? But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great, and you will be sons and daughters of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Uh, Our passage this morning begins with an instruction from Jesus to love our enemies. Uh, If you've been attending Emmaus for a little while, you'll know that this is a teaching of Jesus that I believe the contemporary American church would do well to recapture. Uh, As I've talked about this uh, off and on through the sermon, Uh, One of the main complaints that I hear is that this just isn't practical. People assume that Jesus here is teaching us to be uh, doormats of society. Uh, Or one of the other things that I hear quite often is uh, this just simply doesn't work. Uh, So the instruction to love your enemies, though, thankfully, is followed for us uh, by a couple of examples of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, What's interesting and what I want to point out, because I don't want to spend a lot of time here this morning, I spend a lot of time kind of camped out here, and so we'll we'll look at this from a little different angle, but uh, in each of these scenarios, uh, Jesus is encouraging the would-be victim uh, to take action uh, that isn't vengeance, uh, but isn't passive either. Uh, In other words, what Jesus is doing with these examples that he gives us is he's introducing to us a, a possible third way or a third alternative. 
that is to say, very quickly, that to turn the other cheek to your assailant in this culture, in the biblical culture in which this is taking place, uh, would mean that the, your assailant would have to strike you again, but this time they would have to do so as an equal. Uh, in other words, in this scenario, by turning the other cheek, you are asserting your own humanity and saying, hey, if you're going to strike me, you need to strike me not as victim to, uh, victimizer to victim, but one who is now equal. Um, so it's changing the narrative of strength and power uh, in the scenario. Uh, to give your cloak, um, when they have already taken another item of clothing, would mean that you would have little clothes left, thereby shaming and quite embarrassing the one who has demanded your clothes, Right? Um, to demand that a stolen item not be, re not be returned is to totally change the narrative of the situation. Uh, you can think Jean Valjean in Les Mis, uh, and this will give you a perfect example of what that looks like. And so in each situation, what Jesus is doing is his, he's inviting us to engage people in a third way that both asserts our humanity while refusing to carry out violence or vengeance against the enemy. Uh, last fall, we did a nonviolence peace training that was all about how to live out this principle in different scenarios. Uh, we, learned that, uh, we learned about tactics and explored ideas on how to creatively find a third way in order to avoid violent conflict. Uh, so to assert that Jesus' teaching here is simply passive and inviting us to be the doormats of society is actually to miss the point completely. What Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to expand our prophetic imaginations and begin to walk in a third way, where we respond to folks who have treated us poorly, not with equal vengeance, uh, but not passively either, but to find this kind of third uh, directive. Uh, but let's admit out loud something that uh, maybe some folks might uh, not see that I understand, which is that the call to love our enemies is incredibly difficult. It requires discernment. It requires creativity. It requires the Spirit of God to form us and shape us in, in radical ways as we seek to live out this ethic of love to which Jesus has called us. Um, but I want to focus in on the other side of the coin. Because Luke actually does something very, very interesting. First he talks to us about loving our enemies, but then he kind of says, sure, uh, but he flips the coin and says, if you only love those who love you, then actually what credit is that to you? Uh, and then in there, there goes on this whole bit about sinners, and if uh, some of those scriptures might have sinners in air quotes. Um, I don't know about you, but as you're reading that, oh, even sinners do that. I kind of put myself in that camp, right? Uh, that, that, that we ought to be able to identify with this. You know, if you, uh, if you only love those who love you, well, sinners do that, to which I say, yeah, I'm one of those, right? Um, and so it's interesting that what, what Luke offers us is, is this kind of like pretty in-your-face teaching about love your enemies, but then he flips over the coin and shows us the other side. That he went, we went from talking about those who treat me poorly to those who treat me really well and how we ought to kind of navigate. And, and um, it's like verses 27 through 31 are all about how to respond to those who treat you poorly. But then verses 32 through 36 is, is commentary about how to respond when people treat us well. And so here's the compelling part of the passage. 
For Jesus, the lifestyle of the Christian is not to be defined by either enemy or friend. That's the compelling part, that, that for the Christian, our, our, our lifestyle is not to be defined by either enemy or friend, but rather, rather than responding to hatred with hatred or even responding to love with love, Christians are to be guided by a way of love toward all. Uh, and, and this is really, I mean, this is the compelling part of the passage, right? Because the, the, the grand narrative of the culture in which we live is we need to live sort of reactively, right? So if someone treats you poorly, you treat them poorly back. That's how it works. That's how you get ahead in life, right? And if someone loves you, then you kind of, if someone does you a favor, then you do them a favor. That's kind of how this thing works. We respond by, by, by how we're treated by one another. And Jesus wants to like subvert that whole sort of cultural narrative and say, actually, for the Christian, for those who are called children of the Most High God, we are to actually respond to this ethic of love toward all. And Jesus wants to say, look, if you love those who love you, then kind of no big deal. That's pretty easy, right? And so it it's, uh, it's becomes this like really radical ethic of love that Jesus calls us to. Uh, and, and man, I want to avoid it as much as anybody because this is, this is hard stuff. Um, but living in this way means that you will be children of the Most High, is what the Scripture says. Now, several months ago, I came across um, a translation that said, then you will bear the family resemblance. If you live in this way, then you will bear the family resemblance. And I kind of like that. <laughs> in other words, it's, it's as though Jesus is saying that if you, if you are formed in these ways, if the Spirit of God has worked in your life in such a way that you're able to live in this, this ethic of love without discrimination, then guess what? You will bear the resemblance of the Father. That this is what God, this is how God operates in the world. That, that the, the call of the Christian is not to live reactively, but to live proactively. And the idea is that when you do that, that you, will, you are actually bearing the image of God more properly. And guess what? We're all made in the image of God, right? We get that from Genesis. And, and so part of the Christian journey is beginning to reflect that image more and more, right? Is to grow more and more into that image of God that we've been given. And, and so part of this is like Jesus is talking about Christian maturity, is, is the ability to kind of grow up in Christ, that when we live in this way, then we will bear the family resemblance that will more properly reflect the image of God back into the world. It's this beautiful thing, but it's this deeply challenging thing to not live reactively, but to live proactively. Now, actually, Jesus makes this, Jesus does this brilliant thing to kind of illustrate his point. Uh, you know, verse 31, uh, verse 31 is the golden rule. And uh, this truth, this, this do unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, is, is in fact a great illustration of this proactive uh, life, this proactive love uh, in this golden rule. Now, the golden rule is on the walls of probably almost every classroom 
around the country. It's something that we learn from the earliest ages and are reminded about through even the oldest ages. Like the golden rule is so ubiquitous in culture that sometimes we forget that it's actually right here in Scripture, right? Uh, it's one of those like good tests of kind of these common uh, common themes or common knowledge. Is that actually in the Bible? And yes, here it is. <laughs> Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Um, but did you know that the golden rule, this principle, is actually not unique to Jesus? That there were philosophers and teachers that predate Jesus by many years that were teaching this same principle. I think that's probably good. It's really good advice. It's great truth to live by. So it's not unique to Jesus at all. But you know what is unique to Jesus? Is the way in which he communicates it. Check this out. Until Jesus, the golden rule was always stated negatively. So a rabbi named Hillel said this, that which thou hatest, do not to thy fellow. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> thou which thou hatest, do not to thy fellow. Like, try speaking like that at lunch and see how long that lasts. Uh, then there's this other teacher. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's a T-S-Z-E-K-U-N-G. Tzi uh, Kung. He said this, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. And then in a brilliant turn of phrase, Jesus moves it from being stated negatively to positively so that Jesus' version is then do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I don't know if you've ever thought about the golden rule in this way, but the golden rule is, is a rule of initiative, right? That, that it's an invitation to action. It's not this kind of passive, don't do to people what you don't want them to do to, to you, but, but rather it's this invitation to, to action, do to people, do to folks what you would want them to do unto you or do for you. And so when we look at this all in context and we kind of recognize that Jesus is giving two sides of the same coin and, and then he's inserting this golden rule, what we begin to recognize is that this whole passage is an invitation to a life of proactive love. And yes, our enemies are included, but our enemy, but our friends are not excluded, right? That there's this initiative of love that Jesus is inviting us into. And it, and it goes in, 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 in the face, it flies totally in the face of the, of the narrative of culture, which is give them whatever they gave you, only give them a bigger dose, right? So here's the thing. I, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you are so prone to react <laughs> and I know that you all are way better Christians than me. <laughs> but, but, but I am so prone to a reactive life 
where I'm just, I'm constantly living in, in reaction mode, right? Uh, I'm so prone to react to love with love, <laughs> right? I, I'm so prone to react to hate with hate. I'm so prone to react to accusation with defense. Or sometimes I'm not even that great. Sometimes I react to questions with defense. <laughs> in other words, sometimes there's been times in my life where someone has asked me a genuine question and I received it as an accusation and so I reacted with a defense. <laughs> I'm sure you've never done anything like that. I'm so prone to react to wrong with, with vengeance. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this passage in particular, is an invitation not to a life of being reactive, but a life of being proactive, and in particular, a proactive ethic of love. This, this verse 31, this golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you, is an invitation to see the pain of another and respond. Proactively respond. And begin to put yourself in the position, uh, their position and say, if I was experiencing that very same pain, how would I want to be treated? What is it that would be helpful to me and then to begin to do that for our brother and sister. And then Jesus goes completely off the rails and say, yea, even your enemy. <laughs> this invitation to, be in, to take initiative is, is it's an invitation to see not just the pain of another, but the need of another and begin to try to seek that need. It's an invitation to put yourself in the position and the shoes of another. And isn't this what like kind of the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about, right? Is beginning to see the, the other, to see the full humanity of the other, to see the value of the other. And whatever kind of categories we might place in the other, it's beginning to, the gospel of Jesus Christ is an invitation to begin to see those folks as God sees those folks and then respond proactively with an ethic of love. I think, it's a, I think it's plastered over all over classrooms because it's such a phenomenal principle of truth to live by. And it's a great way to keep kids in line. <laughs> but here's the thing. Living in this way uh, requires the radical work of the Spirit of God in me. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that it also requires the radical work of the Spirit of God in you. Um, that, that, that given just to our own kind of devices, given to our own motivations, uh, I think would probably most of us be pretty prone to just living in this reactive lifestyle. Um, but there's this call, this invitation, really, 
Um, to not see this passage as a list of to-dos, but to see this as an invitation to a life so formed by the Spirit of God that we reflect His character back into the world. Because we can't overstate this uh, we can't overstate this, this truth that to live in these ways, to live in such a way, is to actually bear the family resemblance of God, is to be called a child of God. And so the gospel invites us to be formed in the ways of love and forgiveness and generosity. Uh, in fact, I would say that it would be impossible to, to not live reactively if we haven't first had our hearts formed in the ways of love and forgiveness and generosity, right? The kind of the work has to be done ahead of time. That, that when, we, when we have an offense or when we have something come toward us, if we haven't already been formed in the ways of Christ, we're going we're gonna to live in sort of this reactive way. We're going to live with, man, they, got, they, got a, they deserve to get what they doled out. <laughs> um, and so first, we need, to, we need to do the hard work of, of, of allowing the Spirit of God to form us through spiritual disciplines, through, through I don't know, church attendance is a pretty good piece in that puzzle, right? <laughs> like all of these kinds of things that, that we do that begin to form us in the likeness of Christ so that we can live in this proactive way. Are you with me? It's a simple message this morning. Um, I was teaching a class this weekend and uh, we were doing just this little section on, on preaching and uh, the encouragement was um, know what you want to say, uh, say it clearly, and then stop once you've said it. <laughs> so that's pretty good advice, right? That's pretty good advice. So let me say just one more thing, and then I'll stop because I've said it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an invitation to be formed in the ways of love, forgiveness, and generosity, but not just because Jesus was nice and we should be too, but because of the transforming and redeeming power of love. Do you believe it? I want to say that again, even though I've already said it, because I want to make sure we got it. We're formed in the ways of love and forgiveness and generosity, not just because Jesus was nice and we should be too, but because that the people of God believe in the transforming and the redeeming power of love. Amen? Amen. So I invite you uh, to maybe this week a time of self-reflection, a time of checking your motivations, uh, a time of just doing a heart check and, and, and looking at this, this, this idea of the golden rule and saying, am I, am I living my life reactively or am I living my life proactively? with an ethic of love. And I think if we're honest, if we're, if we're willing to be honest as we ask ourselves that question and as we do that heart check, I think that there's probably some room for the Spirit of God to form us more into the family resemblance. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, let me say a word of prayer and then I'll lead us to the Lord's table today. Heavenly Father, um, your love is without limits.
Your grace is relentless, radical, even scandalous. And for that we thank you. For it is because of that unending love and that scandalous grace that a sinner like me can be called redeemed. And so, Lord, as we have benefited from, been formed by your love, may we bear your family resemblance as we seek to follow you. May we resist the temptation, God, to respond to hatred with hate or to violence with further violence. or to accusation with defense, the Lord may instead, may you give us discernment and wisdom and the courage to have a proactive ethic of love in the world. And God, if we're honest, I think that those are fairly easy words to say and maybe even something that we agree with in principle. But we don't know exactly how that works out in our day-to-day lives as we go to work and um, fulfill responsibilities. And so, God, I suppose our prayer is that you would give us um, some wisdom for application to understand the implications of what it might mean to live in this way. Uh, that it would be that this truth would be rooted in the everydayness of our lives and activities. And so God help us um, to live in these ways that we might put your character on display in the world as the people of God. Help us in these ways, God, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.